everybody and welcome. This is Emmanuel and you are listening to the UX Research Club, the podcast which is dedicated to the rising field of user research. Who is this show for? It is for everyone actually, everyone interested in UX, product development, digital transformation. Whether you are working for a large organization or for a startup, this podcast is for you. But if you think that the users are not important, this podcast is not for you as we are putting the user at the center of all our investigations. I'm going to talk today about the origin of user experience research. Where does it come from? What discipline have influenced it? And how has UX research evolved over several decades? What is user experience research? also called UX research. User experience research uses scientific research methods, qualitative and quantitative, to understand and assess user behavior, needs, and motivation when using a product or a service. As you can see, user experience research is a growing field that has developed rapidly over the past decade, especially in Anglo-Saxon countries. User experience research is now a discipline on its own right. Ideally, it can be integrated into product development following the agile methodology. But where does user experience research come from? User research has been influenced by several disciplines. Today, I will discuss four of them. Ergonomics, psychology with human behavior and cognitive psychology, human-computer interaction, of which usability is part of, and finally, the field of social interaction. But let's start with ergonomics. During the Second World War, it turns out that many soldiers returned from the front with injuries. You will tell me, of course, it is normal for soldiers to return from war with injuries, but these wounds were not due to the wound from bullet, chills, or battle with the enemy. In fact, these injuries were the result of a damage caused by the use of military equipment. This became a big problem within the army, not only had to treat the soldiers, but the problem was that the army was losing its human resources. The soldiers sometimes even had wounds which would not allow them to return to the front. And some of them had such serious injury that their physical condition did not allow them to return to a normal life. As I told you before, the army had to deal with the problem of human resources and the management of post-traumatic soldiers. The army had therefore well identified an increase of wounded taken care of due to the injury caused by military equipment. As a result, they tried to understand what was going on with the aim to limit the risk of injury when using military equipment. When I talk about military equipment, it goes from simple amulet to heavy artillery. Very often, war makes it possible to make great progress in engineering, science, and technology. Many resources are put in place to develop innovative equipment, more efficient solutions, such as plane, machine gun. Even still, the atomic bomb was developed between 1942 and 1946. The army has invested a lot in research in order to improve their equipment, but this time, while keeping performance at the art of the military artillery, engineers continue to work tireless on technology 
but they also call on physiologists to better understand how the equipment was used by the users. In this case, the soldiers. So a lot of work has been done on the ability, skills, physical, and also mental limitation of the end users in order to adapt the equipment and reduce the risk of injury. This is where the discipline of ergonomics was developed. Following the Second World War, ergonomists widened their field of action and start working in other sectors, such as sport, leisure, and automotive. I will give you an example in sport. When a ski boot is created, there are several objectives. Performance, support, and comfort. Performance is to make sure the ski boot and the ski are one. The second is to maintain the ankle to prevent the skier from breaking it. The third, the comfort. The work of the ergonomist is also to ensure that the shoe boot is also comfortable to ensure that the skier is not in pain and can ski for a long time while keeping the performance objective. Ergonomists have also been involved in the automotive sector, taking into account vehicle performance, driver comfort, fatigue reduction, access to various tools such as dashboard, the gear level, or even the position and the use of the GPS. And now you can also see the importance of design. Ergonomists have developed skills by developing and adapting research methods. And it is true that ergonomics has become a very popular discipline since the development of digital tools. One thing is clear is that ergonomics put the user at the center of their work. And it is also an important pillar in user experience research. At the end of the 19th century and through the 20th, the field of psychology was booming. I'm not going to review all the school of thought, but there are two that have played an important role in the development of user experience research. When Freud was having session with his patient, he developed the technique of free association. This technique consists of letting his patients speak aloud, letting their thoughts run free without censorship or conscious intervention, no matter if the thoughts were not consistent. The idea being to share your thoughts out loud as they come to mind. Third goal was to better understand the unconscious process of his patients. We use a similar method when we do user testing. We invite a patient to think aloud when they interact with their interface, tool, or application in order to better understand their perception, their impression, their motivation. Another multidisciplinary school of thought, cognitive psychology, which emerged in the 1950s, which is a very interesting discipline, which also includes linguistic, computer science, anthropology, neuroscience, and philosophy. Cognitive science, cognitive psychology, is nowadays one of the pillars of artificial intelligence. But let's go back to the 1950s with Chomsky, who initiated with language the principle of understanding the internal mechanism of thoughts, which resulted in an action, in another word, to understand the internal process of the brain. For example, the internal mental process of the language, which allow the action of speaking, writing, or even typing on a computer. Cognitive sciences are not limited to language. They make it possible to understand processes such as perception, motivation, decision-making, etc. 
Cognitive studies use experimental, quantitative method, which generally takes place in a laboratory and which needs a fairly large sample of participants to understand how humans perform tasks. So cognitive studies and research methods have clearly influenced user experience research because we are also interested in understanding how users interact with a digital product, professional software, mobile application, and computer product. This also influences user journeys. This allows us to identify, understand, and document the processes of users when they use a product or perform a task, which also allows us to standardize human behavior and to develop products that meet the majority of our users. Cognitive sciences are very important in the digitalization of processes of company, allowing the development of new tools that not only respond to the user needs, but must, above all, optimize task performance processes, especially when users interact in a complex environment and where the risk is very high, such as military pilot, surgeon in operating theater, or even traders on a trading floor. Understanding their mental process when performing their many tasks is crucial in developing the tool they use. This is why some researchers in user experience research are asked to have some knowledge of cognitive psychology. Continuing in the 19th century, ethnologists and anthropologists who were interested in the study of human beings developed new approaches as opposed to experimental studies in order to study population and humans in their environment. These to understand how people behave in their habitats. They had to develop new methods that made it possible to capture the data of their field study, which was using observation method. They took notes, photos, and then they started to record audio and then video when the evolution of the technology permitted it. All these methods put in place made it possible to analyze and understand the influence of context of human behavior in their environment. It is interesting to see how these approaches have emerged and also influenced the user experience research. Knowing that UX researchers are also doing field research that we call contextual inquiries. We explore the user in their natural environment to understand how they interact with one or more digital products. I spend a lot of time on trading floors in finance, sitting next to traders and spending hours and hours watching them to capture uh, their interaction, to understand their context, to evaluate which tool they were using and um, to really capture what was the daily activity on the trading floor. It was fascinating because you have to be there to realize the noise which they are experiences uh, constantly during the day, how many screens they have to interact. Sometimes they even have nine screens with so many data which are pushed on their screen. It's beeping, it's going all different colors all the time. You really have to see it. When you see how those people are interacting, you know, it's much easier after to really make recommendations and understand actually what are their needs. It is very important to work on the ground to get the context in which our users evolve. So during this type of study, we take notes, 
photos. Sometimes we can even record audio or video. This is very rare to be able to record in uh, finance, but on other sectors of activities or under other circumstances, we can really record what's going on. And those data are so rich because you get everything around the users. While researchers, such as ergonomists, have helped in the development and the design of new products with the goal to reduce risk, they realized and they needed to improve their method to evaluate new digital products. In the 1990s, the digital revolution was booming with the democratization of the technological tools, and especially with the arrival of the internet in homes. It must be remembered that before the 1990s, it was rare to have a computer at home. It may seem odd for some of you. The computers being generally imposing and used by experts such as scientists, engineers, and researchers, the development of digital products for professionals at that time was already complicated, even if the users had computer and scientific skills. But following the democratization of the technological tools and the internet, users suddenly had less technical, less competent, in a sense of using technological tools. Basically, digital products had to become accessible to all. It was at that time that the discipline of human and computer interaction began. In the year 2004-2005, here come the Web 2.0. It is the arrival of social media. The user not only were everyone, but in addition, they became content creators. As a result, it was necessary to draw inspiration from other disciplines to create new methods such as usability in order to be able to capture interaction on computer screen, capture performance during the usage, and identify how users interacted with the tools. It was at that time that techniques such as eye tracking, click-through rate, time on task, as well as survey questionnaire, were adapted to assess how users interact with technological tools. We use them a little differently, usually in combination with other methods. Personally, I really like using eye tracking in conjunction with other methods. It is very exciting to be able to capture the user gaze while interacting with a product and to be able to analyze in parallel of speak aloud I have so many examples in which I can see users saying something, saying, yes, I can see the button, it's easy to find the button. And when you look at the eye tracking and follow the eye movement and see where the user is looking at, you can really see they can't see the button. So this shows that when the user says something, sometimes the behavior, the action is telling you something different, which is fascinating. The field of human and computer interaction is very interesting. Now you can even see universities developing new masters dedicated, specialized in human and computer interaction. This is great because people can get trained to become user experience researcher. Even if the discipline of human and computer interaction is very interesting, it is not enough. So now I'm going to talk about a discipline which is very close to my heart. It is the area of social interaction. These disciplines emerged in the 1950s, 1960s, 
with researchers from sociology, linguistic, anthropology, psychology, etc. They developed new methods to analyze their data and to collect their data, which were based on ethnomethodology, discourse analysis, and conversation analysis. They were really looking at the world from a very different perspective. They were interested to look at humans in their natural environment as opposition to the experimental design, experimental research, which was done in laboratory. While studying language with a cognitive approach, it involves an experimental environment in which the researcher will be extracting the mental process, as mentioned earlier when we were looking at the cognitive approaches. Well, in opposition, studying language in a natural environment, we look at a telephone conversation, a conversation with friends while having a dinner, a political debate on TV, or a professional conversation at the office. These approaches permit us to understand how humans, through natural language, full of errors, taking into account the use of object, surrounding environment, gaze, gesture, and context. By putting everything together, they could see the reality of the world. This was to understand how humans was interacting with each other and behaving from multiple angles. For me, those methods were a revelation. When I did my PhD on aphasia, I found that cognitive methods and approaches were far too limited. As when I was trying to understand or evaluate the competency of someone which had a lexical limitation with uh, the cognitive approach, if they couldn't say a word that described an image, they were categorized as incompetent. Whereas, if a person managed to communicate, try to use different resources, such as a gaze, gesture, surrounding environment, or even facial expression to describe an image, and they are understood by the person they are trying to communicate with. For me, they are still categorized as competent. Applying those methods to the world of UX research is magic. It gives you another dimension of how users interact with the product. I found that methods in natural environment and with natural conversation during the research sessions brings another perspective to the interpretation of the behavior and the interaction with the digital product, which is closer to the reality of the world. These methods are qualitative and therefore bottom-up. They let capture and emerge the essence of what is going on. But once again, you can see that user experience research use recording of interaction, video, screenshot, audio, etc., which allow us to go back to the data and to analyze the visual, the gesture, the action of the mouse, an action that the user is performing while interacting with the product. When doing user experience research, we are also doing a lot of field work, which is essential in order to understand the user in his environment. Many researchers in the field of social interaction have made studies in cockpits or in oceanographic boats in order to understand how users such as pilot or oceanographer use and interact with various technological tools in their work environment. 
Obviously, qualitative methods should not be used in isolation. I will do an episode in the next few weeks on when to use which method and why. As I said before, there are many other methods that have influenced user experience research. The discipline that I have talked about today played an important role in the development of UX research, ergonomics, psychology, human and computer interaction, and social interaction are all putting the user at the center of their investigation. We build and got inspired by all of their research methodologies, way of collecting data, and you can see we follow their logic and systematicity of their approaches. User experience research will continue its evolution because it is a discipline that will change and adapt with the evolution of the technology. Humans will continue to adapt to new technology. Researchers will continue to adapt to evaluate human behavior. And product will continue to be more innovative to meet user needs. This is part of human, technological, and research evolution. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to contact me on info at uxresearchclub.com. You can also find a lot of information about user research by reading my book, Practical User Research, which covers how to integrate user research to your product development. Details will be in the description of this podcast. And finally, if you want to support the UX Research Club, please share it with your network on social media or write a review. See you next week for a new episode and thank you for listening. Goodbye.